0: Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ.
1: Uh, Perhaps that you were only here for one of the weeks, but just as a quick recap, Two weeks ago, we talked about a story that perhaps made the room a little uncomfortable. My parents listened to it a couple of weeks, uh, a week later, and my dad had some questions. He's like, are you sure you're allowed to talk about that in church? He's like, it made him uncomfortable that I was as blunt as I was perhaps about the story of Tamar. But it was, it was challenging, and it's fair because it's my father, and I just didn't make eye contact when we were talking about it. <laughs> and, then, and then last week, we, we jumped into the story of Hannah. And, and the this, this story of, of what God is able to do in, in the midst of our question. And got to hear from Pastor Shanda, and that was, that was wonderful. And as a theme on a whole, we're looking at the idea of women in the Bible. We're looking at this idea of hidden figures. And I think it's an important question to ask, because if, if you can't trust the one whom you are building a relationship with, And you can't trust that they see you in a way that is valuable and worthwhile and meaningful. How is a relationship really built? And I'm talking about your relationship with God. And I think that's often the conversation and and the conflict that we find for hidden figures in the story of the Bible. We ask, how can they even believe that God sees them to be of value? And if they don't believe that God has... Has a value for them, then how can they have a relationship with him? Now, we had a lot of fun with this a couple weeks ago, so I want to do it again, and perhaps i will make some of you in the crowd a little uncomfortable. Uh, f- first of all, if, if you're new here, thanks for being here. So glad that you're able to join us. My name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective, and this is a wonderful place to dive into the word together. So, this is what we're going to do I'm going to read a passage of scripture. And then we're going to take a couple minutes, and we're going to just chat about it in groups, and I want to hear your thoughts about it. It's nowhere near as dramatic as our story from Tamar uh, in Genesis 38, but are—it it is pretty dramatic. It is Spanish novella. Like it, it gets into it, and it feels, it feels a little good. But this is, this is the background of the story. We're in, going to be in Genesis chapter 29, and uh, in the first portion of it, we see that Jacob is on the run. His birthright is stolen, uh, he steals the birthright of Esau, and he's broke, he's on the run, life is not looking so good, he comes to a well, he has a Hollywood love story moment, he falls in love, it's love at first sight, with a girl named Rachel. He, he waters her sheep, that's not a sexual euphemism, he literally waters her sheep, and... <laughs> Dad will be listening to this one as well, so. And then he, he meets her with like this incredible kiss, and then he weeps. That's literally the sequence of events that takes place at the well. He ha- then finds out that Rachel, there's a relation there. Uh, the father of Rachel is Laban, who is his mother's brother. They go back together. It might sound weird in our current context. It was more normal in that culture at that time. And then that's where we're going to be picking up our story. He's had this dramatic love story kind of got sparked. Now he meets Laban. So we're going to be starting around verse 14 in Genesis chapter 29. And it says this. It says, After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Great response. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. What a story. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. It's great, straightforward. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also. It was every wedding was an Indian wedding, seven days, in return for another seven years of work. So Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave Him, his daughter Rachel to be his wife. And Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years really difficult story. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take five minutes on the clock. I want you to turn to groups of three around you, and I just want you to talk about what stood out to you in the story. There's lots there, um, and then I want to hear from you. Go for it. Five minutes.
0: Better get a move Maybe it's the economy. To the movement, let's groove it, baby Cause there's nothing left to say And people all around the world, world From Kenya all the way to New York screaming out Everybody doesn't want to dance Everybody doesn't want to dance Come on, brother, and clap your hands Everybody doesn't want to dance Everybody doesn't want to dance Everybody just wants to dance. So come on, sister, and clap your hands. Everybody just wants to dance. <laughs> <laughs> Who says we need to slow wheel down? Can't you hear the sound of people all around? Everybody just wants to dance, everybody just wants to
1: dance. Come on, brother and clap your hands, everybody just wants to dance. Everybody just wants to dance. Everybody All right. just wants to dance. So come on, I'll have you wrap up your conversations. I know it's a quick touch, but I just I'm curious. I'm curious. You can you can continue with your uh your lunch plans after as well. Alright. Uh, Just a a few people, I'm curious, what was something that stood out to you? It doesn't have to be a a long dialogue, just a quick thought. Anybody, any any takers, any takers? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking why couldn't Laban be honest with Jacob and just say you have to wait until the older daughter gets married instead of deceiving her, both of them, kind of. It's a great thought, it's a great thought.
0: I just wonder what would have happened if Leia had been at the well. Maybe she would have had a chance. I yeah. feel sorry for her.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's very fair, very true. Yes. Well, I have to imagine that Jacob probably would have known some of these customs and stuff. So like in the and especially seven years of being in the culture if he didn't know coming in, like, so did he just expect Laban to be like, Yeah, I'll just break this cultural custom we've had for a long time and give you my second daughter instead of the first? It's like what, it's just interesting, like, what was Jacob's thought process in, like, just, like, yeah, we'll casually break the rules. Yeah, just casually break the rules. is not what we all think. Alright, any other fi- final thought? I'll give it final one to the man at the back. Um, how, how bad was Leah's personality that she couldn't find a husband for seven years? Okay, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> I would like to contend This is what happens when you have a roaming mic. I will say right up front, I would like to contend that Leia was actually an incredible character. And someone that is worth looking at. And that is whom we are considering today. That is the figure that we are looking at. So with all of these different pieces in mind, uh, I would like to title today's talk, uh, Living with Letdown. Because this is most definitely a reality within the story, but it's also a reality within our lives as well. Like even just we're talking about the idea of marriage. Statistically, 90% of people in the room are going to be married, and 30 to 40% will experience divorce in their life. And this is a love story of a guy named Jacob, who's a son of Isaac and a grandson of Abraham. And Genesis 29 is about halfway through Jacob's life. And so far he's had a pretty rough go of it. He is born second. He's kind of set up from failure from birth. Esau comes out of, out of the womb first and then comes Jacob. And his parents choose to call him Jacob in, in Hebrew or Jacob in English, meaning charlatan and, and deceiver and liar. Thanks, mom and dad, uh, for that setup. And, and sadly, he, he lives up to that name. And his story is one lie after another. He deceived Esau, he deceived Isaac, and he would eventually deceive his father-in-law Laban, And if you know that story. But he's always looking over his shoulder trying to maintain an, a semblance of life and to outrun every mistake. But here's the reality of what deception and what lies actually do to us. They are always based out of the idea of personal benefit at the cost of the truth. That is essentially what deception deception is. But the real cost is often paid by others. The real cost of deception is often paid by others. And this was the case in Jacob's life and is often the case in our own. Sure, we might say that I only have told a little white lie or and and we believe that we can build a platform of real relationships on this, but the cost of every lie that we take and every lie that he told is the fragmentation of every relationship. And from this alone, we can learn a lot. If you've ever felt disconnected or separated, perhaps you have felt so in this past season, even here at City Collective, uh, that there is the reality of the pandemic, there is a responsibility of people around us, but I also wonder for ourselves when we're building relationships, are we actually being truthful and honest? If the foundation of our relationships is dishonesty, then disconnection will be the fruit. And this was the reality for Jacob in his story. But the cost of his dishonesty was often paid for by others around him. And in particular, Leah. Now, we can say really honestly, the scripture is not kind to Leah. It says that Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now, Leah had weak eyes is is a Hebrew euphemism, equating her perceived physical appearance as being ugly. Now this is a woman in the ancient near east and a woman would wear a veil all day long and if you said she had bright eyes that was a way of saying that she was beautiful all over and if you said that she had weak eyes this was a gracious way of saying that she was not all that pretty but her younger sister Rachel is quite the opposite. So you can imagine already what she's experienced on a cultural level. And then Jacob shows up and he's in love with Rachel. And there's this language of in love. And we kind of get it in our culture of this language of in love. But I, I, I may be incorrect in this, but I believe that the phrase in love, pre-marriage, this is the only story in the Bible that follows this narrative. This, this Hollywood effect of things. Often when the Bible talks about love, it is in the context of, of, of an arranged marriage or post uh, the joining of two families. And even when it talks about being in love and it talks about the dynamics between a, a man and a woman, it can often involve power that is not actually truthful about love being involved in it even a situation like David and Bathsheba, this was a power relationship that was actually deeply flawed and not love driven, more lust driven. Now this relationship in particular that we see between Jacob and Rachel, this, this dramatic Hollywood moment that they have at the well, has, has two really key ingredients that in many ways we all crave. Sexual chemistry, and electric, ecstatic feelings. And ironically, the story as a whole is a disaster. I think we can all agree upon that. (laughs) Jacob goes on and he he says to Laban, I'll work for you for for seven years in return for your youngest daughter, Rachel. So in this day and age, you were expected to pay a bride price. He's on the run. He's got no money or any, any assets to his name so he can give his time. And so he does so. And then in verse 19, Laban says, Better that I give her to you than some other man. Again, classic father-in-law. And indicative of the reality for women in the culture. And so Jacob, he served seven years to get Rachel. And they seemed like only a few days. He's deeply in love. We get this Hollywood perspective of the love story. And Laban brought it all together to this immense feast, calling neighbors and friends and family around to celebrate from all over. And then the evening came. Jacob probably had a little too much to drink. It was likely dark. This is, not, uh, this is not a situation where floodlights are all around. This is the ancient Near East. It's not particularly well lit in any way. And Laban gives Leah. Along with an attendant. And then the phrase that. Both convicts my heart. And challenges me deeply, is when it says, when morning came, there was Leah. Jacob responds to this deception and anger and confusion and, and, and like I said, for those of you thinking that what in the world, like why does Jacob have to do all those things? Well, it's not, until, like, it's not until the sun really comes up that he recognizes that it's Leah that he has slept with that night. But that phrase, when morning came, there was Leah, it caught me. There was someone who was forced into a marriage. Someone who is part of the dealings of men. Somebody already mocked within her, her community And no doubt considered lesser than due to her weak eyes, as they put it. A hidden figure that's living out a nightmare that she probably hoped to avoid. And the nightmare was this to be seen and to not be wanted. And that's why my heart breaks. When it says, when morning came, there was Leah. You can imagine in many ways her hopefulness for the night. Perhaps he will receive me. Perhaps he, he knows the traditions of our people. I know he, he's loved my, my sister, but maybe this could be a relationship of great meaning for me. To be seen and not wanted, heartbreaking. But life is like that sometimes, isn't it? I mean, what does that say about the human condition? We, we we love, we work, we labor, we bleed, we hope, we pray and we anticipate and we get to the perhaps moment of our expectation and it's incredible for a night and then we wake up in the morning and it's Leah. And we wake up in the morning and it's, Jacob, it is a letdown. It's a disappointment. It's not all that we hoped for, and the reality is life is full of letdowns, and the human experience is anything but ideal. And, and, and the truth is that we honestly see this most often within relationships, within marriage. Marriage will let us down. And you might be saying, why do you hate marriage? I love marriage. (laughs) I've got a great marriage. My wife and I, we love to talk about the fact that we have a great marriage. But our relationship with marriage, particularly I would say within the church, has elevated this ideal of marriage as this pursuit of a false truth of ultimate happiness and fulfillment. We've been led to believe that my fulfillment and my happiness will come when I get the ring on my finger. Marriage is awesome, but the design of marriage was not for your personal happiness. room's are very quiet. Is everyone concerned about what Adriana is going to say to me later? That's okay. We talked about it last night. We're good. And I'm not looking to pick on anyone today. Because I, I I feel this as well. I think I grew up... You, can, you kind of grow up with an idea and a dream of what love and marriage and, and intimacy and, and relationship is going to be and romance and all that stuff. And, and we put so much pressure on it that it, it kind of becomes this like sort of pathology in our existence that we live our lives in pursuit of fulfillment through relationship with others. And when it doesn't check the box, we immediately move on to the next and then the next and then the next. And wherever you might fall upon that spectrum... I think some of us migrate to a complete abandonment of the idea because we've rejected it and seen that it doesn't work in our context or we embrace it wholeheartedly and it is the complete pursuing of all that we do is to make our happiness be within the context of marriage and relationship. But no matter how hard you try... And we don't even have to isolate it to relationships. We can talk about success. We can talk about accomplishment. We can talk about pursuing your dreams. No matter how hard you try, when the morning comes, you will wake up to let down at some point. Perhaps it was comical for people to say that she had weak eyes, but in reality, I think more of us relate to the feeling of letdown in the life of Leah because of life often happening to us. This is therefore a hard scripture to read for for all people and for particularly from women. Messaging, cultural expectations, societal ceilings, all feeding into what women face on a, a daily basis. And there are segments of our life where hope might spring, and, but yet letdown often comes. And for everyone here today, maybe some of you are skeptical, maybe some of you are a follower of Jesus. Perhaps you simply feel like you can't trust the Bible because it has stories of misogyny and objectification of women. And the truth is, yes it does, because the Bible is honest. Because that is the world that we live in today. And that was most definitely the world that existed 4,000 years ago. It's not trying to elevate it as the right and the true. It's trying to tell us the story of humanity and the response of God. Now, now, Our story continues. Uh, Jacob is mad, but he still wants Rachel, and so Laban makes sure that he continues his week-long wedding. Like I said, every wedding is an Indian wedding, seven days. It's the one regret of our wedding ceremony is that Adriana wants it to be seven days, actually, next time. So we'll go to India, and we'll accomplish that at some point in our life. We'll post it on Instagram. Uh, (laughs) the, the The letdown of the morning, though, I would say, never left Jacob. And the pain of that letdown Was born more by Leah than anyone. She was forgotten by her father. She was rejected by her husband. And I just want to say that if you are here this morning and you relate far more to Leah than you do to Jacob, I just want to say that God sees you. He sees your insecurities. He sees your sense of inadequacy. He sees the unfairness that you've been forced to endure. And He has not forgotten you. Because Leah was not forgotten. But well, the Bible says that she, had, she was blessed with, with many sons. And these sons, these children, would become the majority of the tribes of Israel. And the story then continues later. And, and things go even more haywire than we have seen. In the modern world, uh, what Rachel is faced with is incredibly diff- difficult. Rachel is childless for much of her marriage. And in the ancient world, this is even more of a disaster. The inability to, to further the family was equated as if God had cursed her. And it, it, it has swung now where we have seen, though love might have seemed to be burgeoning in one spot, and, and provision might be in another Everyone in the story has experienced letdown. Everyone in the story has experienced the reality of life. And for all of us here this morning, you have had an expectation of relationship in your your life. Perhaps it is a romantic relationship. Perhaps it's with your family. Perhaps it is with a friend. That there was an expectation of what it would be and what it would provide to you and it did not meet the mark. We crave it. We desire it. We want to have a life where happiness and fulfillment comes our way. And yet it seems that we are all faced with letdown. As the story continues, we see the burden of fulfillment in the wrong places. We see the pursuit of happiness through the validation of another. We see the cost of our sense of worth when life is about holding someone else's opinion as your source of joy. When we have someone else's opinion as our source of joy, the cost truly does become our fulfillment. But it is our hidden figure. It is Leah, the one who has been rejected, that shows us so beautifully how to respond. So Leah, she became pregnant, and she named her first son, Reuben. Reuben. And this is what she said, she said, my Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. And then she conceived again, and when she gave birth to this son, she said, the Lord has seen that I am not loved, and he gave this one to me, so she named him Simon. Simon. And again she conceived, and when she gave birth to the third son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons, so she named him Levi. And with each son that came, and with each moment that came, the path that she would go down was one of a sense of bitterness, of hopefulness, and then of pain. And at each moment, the love of Jacob was all that she really desired, and she was left found wanting. But then in verse 35, she conceived again and the responses changed. And she gave birth to this son and she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. She finally said, enough is enough I will not wait upon the love of another that has already chosen to reject me to be my fulfillment, but I will look to the fulfillment that has always, always been there for me and I will praise the Lord. Because Judah is a Hebrew word meaning praise. Praise. This time I will stop searching for fulfillment. I will stop searching for satisfaction in a marriage that is far less than what I hope for. And I will stop searching for meaning and value in Jacob. But this time I will praise the Lord. And there is power in this statement for us to hear this morning that my praise is not contingent upon my circumstance but rather upon who I believe God is. Because the circumstance of Leah did not change. She bore a son and was rejected. 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 But the response was bitterness, pain, struggle, and then praise. Because the God who is worthy of the praise, perhaps in the first son, never stopped being faithful and never stopped being present, never stopped seeing her in the midst of her pain and her struggle. And even when letdown, letdown came, God was not the author of the letdown. He was going to be the author of the healing. So Leah made a decision that even though my situation has not changed My response will. My source of joy will. My source of strength will. She chose to praise in the face of her letdown. And to me, that's what it means to lean into the letdown. And this is her response, but letdown is taking place in the other situations as well. The the situation goes haywire. Rachel's unable to bear a child. Uh, Jacob goes as far as blaming her for it. Awful. He then makes a decision that, okay, I'm going to, he starts sleeping with anybody and everybody. Rachel, there's lies, there's deceit, there's worshiping of idols that takes place. And she would bear two sons, but it was clear that her character was not matching up with her perceived beauty in that moment. That it was actually our hidden figure, Leia, that made a choice within her letdown that changed the situation. And I want you to get a proper picture of this. This is not Disney. Leia didn't have a fairy godmother show up at her front door and do what our culture says and make her look beautiful. Beautiful. It was not the fact that they stopped calling her, uh, making comments about her eyes in one way to another way. Nothing of of that sort changed. Instead, she chose to change her response. There was no wave of a magic wand. And instead, she has this son, Judah. And this is what we know about Judah. Judah. That she has a son, and another, and another, and one is named Judah, and he would become the father of the tribe of Judah. And if you remember from two weeks ago, we talked about this, that his tribe would produce a long line of kings, King David, King Solomon, Hezekiah, Joash, Josiah, and then hundreds of years later, Jesus the Messiah is born. Meaning, out of the train wreck of this marriage, out of what? Is great deceit being sown out of every letdown, every evil thing done, every heartbreak that came their way, Jesus made a way for him to work through it in a powerful way that didn't just transform her life, but transformed our lives. And I want you to hear this. This this is to say that God is not just in our letdowns. But God uses the letdowns of our life, the dreams, the hopes, the fears, the accomplishments, our lack in relationships and marriages that don't measure up all that was anything but what God has intended. God uses that which was wrong and that which was evil because it was not God's way. God is at work and He uses our mistakes, He uses our failures. So often we believe that God just uses that which we do is correct and right. And I wholeheartedly believe that God is just actively looking to renew and restore our lives wherever we are at. God is at work in using the letdowns in your life. And I know we all have them. But God uses those letdowns to shape us and to challenge us to be more like Jesus. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Love, sexuality, romance, success, material items, all of those things that we place as our pursuit are penultimate at best. It's nothing more than a shadow of what's coming in our future. Maybe that's why the scriptures, they start with a wedding, and then the wedding of heaven and earth in Revelation 22. The last two chapters of the Bible... They they paint immense imagery of Eden straight from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The future world, the one that is on the horizon, promised for us to be placed in a better relationship with God. That this Garden of Eden is even better. It's, it's a city, and it's not just for Adam and Eve, it's for all of humanity, every tribe and tongue, every person united in relationship to the Creator God forever and ever and ever, where there is no letdown, where there is no disappointment, and there is only that which was intended for us and the way that we were created and formed in the Garden of Eden to be in relationship with the living God, to have the fulfillment and satisfaction that our hearts are constantly desiring and pursuing in all the wrong places. You were created to be in relationship with God. You were created to find fullness of satisfaction that this world will never provide. And though marriage and family and satisfaction and success, they can be glimpses of what it might look like when we, when we really look at it and we have the letdowns of our life take place, we are invited to keep our eyes fixed forward to where our satisfaction and fulfillment are truly going to come from. Our fulfillment is found ultimately in the relationship that we have with God above any other. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or you grew up in a Christian family or you don't know what to think about Jesus or Christianity at all, you were made for the Garden of Eden. You were made to be in relationship with God. You were made to be seen, you were made to be known, you were made to be found in the fullest of satisfaction in the relationship that you were designed for with a loving God. For an existence with no letdowns and no disappointments. But instead we're born into this broken world full of letdowns and disappointments and yet we are pursued still. And we're invited to place our trust in Jesus to embrace the hope that one day We will live in that garden-like city. As as the prophet Isaiah writes, where sighing and sorrow will flee away. Worship team, I'll invite you back up to the front. So whether this morning you are filled with joy or sorrow, whether you are are single or married, whether you're feeling in relationship or lonely, pain or dis- and disillusionment or heartache and grief, God sees you and not only is, does God see you and is with you, but God is work all around you and God is at work within you to the degree that we allow him to be the author and the finisher of our faith. Who knows what God is stirring up through all the good stuff in your life? Who knows what God is stirring up through all the bad stuff in your life? Not only through the success, but through the failure. We need to know that life is a gift and we need to get set free from the posture of entitlement we are prone to take and reshape our thinking and feeling after the posture that Leah took and that is one of praise and that is one of gratitude. Create joy a relationship with God, and it is an act of worship to be in that relationship. So let me say this simply. Let's let marriage be marriage. Let success be success. Let failure be failure. let, Let sex be sex. And let God be God, the unending source of our fulfillment and satisfaction. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. That the story of Leah, where letdown came after letdown, where disappointment came after disappointment, you stayed the same. You continued to pursue. You continued to show your heart. And you used the letdown within the life of Leah to change the world in a powerful way you met her in the midst of it and when she turned her eyes towards you when bitterness no longer began became her her chorus when when her pain no longer no longer drove her decision making thank you that praise started to burgeon up within her and I pray for every person in this room that has experienced letdown. perhaps yesterday perhaps in this past season perhaps it has been years ago and it became still is a burden upon their heart A letdown from family, from friends, from a relationship, from a marriage, from from a workplace, from a failure, from, from wherever we have gone to pursue satisfaction and fulfillment. I pray right now that praise would rise up from within us. From that which has been dead within us, we pray that there would be a a cry of joy that would come not based upon our circumstances, but based upon the truth of your word, upon the truth of who you are. We pray that you would begin to shape us into your image, that we invite you to be the author that is writing our story, that is leading us forward. Thank you, Jesus, that there is going to be restoration in our hearts the minute we say, I am broken and needing a savior. I am still carrying this burden of letdown and it is far too heavy. Would you carry this burden? Would you give me hope where I feel hopeless? And Would you give me joy where sorrow seems the only option? Thank you for your word and how it speaks to our story here and now. For the hidden figures that feel present in this room, I pray that they feel ultimately seen most importantly by you. Shape us into your image. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.